<laughs> Welcome, everybody, to another fun-filled episode of Mostly AV, the fun and friendly podcast from the commercial AV industry. Today, we have our best hostess ever. Hostess Michelle. with the mostest. Hostess with the mostest, Michelle Lorette. And hey. today's special guest, we have Adam Castaneda. What's up, guys? Yay. All I'm right. Here with. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this is a very special episode because, once again, it's me and two audio guys. <laughs> They're yeah. both also pro AV guys. I That's like right. That yeah. With Jerry, you being the engineer, and Adam, project manager. Yep. But you've done field stuff, too? Yeah. Done um, it all? Cause you, yeah, you worked at Data Projections, right? Is that how you got in? Or? Yeah, well, no. No? I started off um, like a home hobbyist in high school kind mm-hmm. of thing, recording bands and stuff. Oh, cool. So I, I, mm-hmm. I figured out like the early days of home digital AV kind of nice. stuff. Or, yeah. That kind of stuff. But then in college, I was a radio DJ. Sweet. Were the chicks all over you? No. No? Not at all? I did uh, mostly uh, world music. It was very unpopular stuff at Texas A&M. Uh-huh. <laughs> I like it. Um, especially around... 2002. Uh-huh. You know, mm-hmm. Lots of tie-dye, huh? Yeah. You were uh, ahead of your time. I guess. And then uh, eventually I, I went to school for uh, audio engineering. Ah. And then I interned at KPRC Channel 2. Oh, cool. In the I audio, like those guys. Yeah, an audio, in the audio room there. Um, and then from there, I, I mean, I, I sold TVs for a while, like uh-huh. stereo systems, that kind of thing, until I got to the commercial side. I mean, I did Prezi, I did it all. I think everybody pays their dues on that yeah. side. Not oh, yeah. on the sales side, but definitely on, you know. The resi side? The resi? Yeah. yeah I've, I've had a small stint in it as well. I think when you do resi for a little bit, you kind of appreciate commercial. Oh, absolutely. No, yeah. I mean, climbing in attics is not fun. E- no. e- even if they're still rough, you know? I mean, no. Yeah. Well, it's, it's uh, exposing you to a, a different set of equipment. Yeah. A different mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, Yes. Not different, that there's di- anything wrong with doing no, it. No, it's just, it's just different. Different yeah. concerns, you know. Right. And you, you, know. you may you don't need to have as built to get the job done. It helps in commercial, but you know. Right. You might just have a flow diagram on a napkin, and sometimes that works in resi. You know, everybody. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I, literally, I've gotten pictures um, where somebody just took a picture of the crease board, and I'm like, "That's the as built. That's yeah. adorable." <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, we, we do, do napkin cat too. oh yeah so you are back in houston and just like the mafia that we are we have pulled you back yeah it didn't take long but in but while you were away tell share with the audience because not everybody knows you they should um but you were in a very popular houston band that that ended up kind of blowing up and and going global and it was you were a co-founder right yeah one of the original members i I started a band called the suffers Uh in 2011 when we started it wow so we've spent a good you know three or four years working normal jobs and then playing shows and that whole thing you know and then 2015, we went on the David Letterman show. I remember. I was so excited that for was y'all. Really fun, and and you crushed it. Yeah. I mean, it was amazing. I, I watched it a few months ago. I was like, yeah, we did pretty well. We and pretty it well. gives me goosebumps. It does. Um, and that was like one of his last. That was the last week, wasn't it? The last month. The last month. Okay. And yeah. um, but everybody there knew it. I mean, everybody was yeah. there was right. Old half a foot out the door you know they're they're like they're all talking about oh well what are you what's your next job what's your next job i don't I haven't found a job yet you know yeah. the, the crew's all worrying about what they're doing next 
Right. Um, but it was it was an exciting time to be there. Yeah. You know? um, because everybody knew that this this thing was ending. You know. Right. So it was it was a really fun time with the crew. I would imagine also kind of everybody felt a certain amount of freedom that you know some of the things that the normalcy of the last twenty years of being on air. Like they had maybe had a little bit more freedom to do things, a little yeah. bit more risque or whatever. They couldn't or, get fired, really. Exactly. It's like, what, this sure. one, what are you going to do, fire me? <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> and, and, you know, they, they wanted to go out with a bang, of course, you know. A show running that long usually mm-hmm. does. And there aren't many unsigned independent groups that go on those kind of shows. I know. It's pretty rare. Um, and when we showed up, we were so green. I mean, we were so green. We, we'd all been playing shows around Houston and Texas forever and done little tours, but not like if the Foo Fighters shows up. They show up with like a unit right. of, of uh, you know, staff and support people and stuff. And it was just us. Uh, and so, and they knew pumping it. Pumping all your own gear. Okay, right? true, true story. When we, when we pulled up, we had a hard time, like we're circling the block, right? And you have to show up at like 7 a.m. So we show up and we're like calling people. We're like, hey, we're trying to park, but somebody blocked all the roads with all these cones. Like, where, where, is there a lot nearby? And they're like, those cones are for you. Oh. Like, okay. <laughs> they had That's blocked great. off because his, his theater was in the middle of Manhattan. That's right, right yes. So he, they blocked off a long block with cones for us. An entire right. city block. And we were like, oh my God. We had a van and a small, tra- like one axle trailer, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. They thought your 18 wheeler was they were like, pulling off. They were like, most bands pulling an 18 wheeler and a yep. couple of tour buses and some, a couple of cars and stuff. And we're like, no, this is it. And they're like, well, when does the band get here? And it's like, we are the band. We thought you were the crew. Well, we're the crew too. You're right. like, yes, yes, both. I mean, most of our gear didn't even have road cases at the time. Wow, yeah. It was a hand-carry situation. Yeah, you carried it in, kind of put it in a small pile in the ground, and the 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 crew and staff was busting their asses because they were so used to giant bands coming in, acting a certain way. And With their like, big egos. Right, right. And they're like, we never right. see people like you. We're borrowing batteries and tape from them and stuff like that, you know? Yeah. So, so that, probably, that probably made it more fun for them, I would They were imagine. loving yeah. it. They oh, were loving I'm sure it was refreshing, right? right they're yeah. like, we love these guys, you know? Yeah. <laughs> No, no, I remember watching that show and just, I hadn't seen David Letterman like be that excited no. about an artist in a very yeah. long time. I hadn't either. You know, more, mo- mostly it's, you know, he planned the part and, oh, yeah, yeah, these guys are going to do great, blah, blah, blah. But he, he was oh, like, he lit up like, like a Christmas tree. Yeah. yeah, yeah it that, was, that was pretty cool to see, you know? Yeah, it was, it was fun. Uh, another true story from that day is most of the band didn't know what he said. Oh, they didn't? And didn't talk to him. Because really? he, he showed up right before they started taping, and right. he's gone right after. We, yeah. we never saw him. But the way that the audio feedback worked in, the, in our in-ears and monitors, mm-hmm. we didn't hear his voice. Oh. So we knew he, everything was okay. We heard people clapping, and then we got off stage and got in the Ubers to go back to our hotel. And it was like, what did he say? Wow, okay. Somebody's trying to explain it to us, and we're like, oh, okay, whatever. And then yeah. that night, because you finish at like 4 o'clock in the afternoon. That's, right. It gets taped that afternoon. So that afternoon we went, or that night we went to a bar somewhere in Brooklyn. It was a nothing bar, and they didn't know who we were or why we were so excited. Um, and that's and why when, you were making them put the TV on David Letterman, right? <laughs> and and uh, and we uh, we saw what happened. It was like, oh my god, that's awesome! You know. No, Did great. people start asking for your autographs? Uh, not yet. Not yet. I think my second um, most excited moment was I was watching. Um, a TV show, I Robot. Yeah, Mr. Robot. Mr. Robot. Yeah, Mr. Robot. And uh, 
I heard one of y'all's songs yeah. come on in the scene. And I was like, oh, my God. I got out my phone and I rewound my TiVo and I started taping it. I have no idea why. I just yeah. felt like I needed to record it. I was like, this is awesome. Their stuff's getting used as background music, you know? Like, right. that is just too cool to that me. That is pretty awesome. Yeah, I thought that was good. Yeah, it was really cool. So did you uh, did y'all tour around the world? Yeah. yeah. Uh, five continents. Wow. 20 some odd countries, something like that. Nice. Uh, yeah, and countless laps around the U.S. So yeah, we did. Uh, we did our fair share of uh, hopping around. Did uh, uh, outside of North America, uh, where's where do you where do you personally prefer to travel in terms of being a touring artist? N Japan or Europe? Yeah, Japan has their act together. Yeah, um. I say Japan and Europe because we were, part of it is we were a soul band, right? An yeah. American soul band. They have rock and roll in Japan and Europe. They have hip-hop. They have electronic music. They can't really get soul music the same way we do. So uh, they, have to right. they have to import that stuff. Yeah. Right. That's really not in any of their DNA whatsoever. No, it's in not. Their regional DNA. So, so I can see that. So yeah. when they get us, they're like, okay, this is different. This is this mm -hmm. is not something our guys can do. This is right. It's we're, this is imported stuff here. Okay. So so they kind of treat you a little bit differently, a little bit nicer. Um and I mean, Japan, they're so polite uh -huh. and they're so um mm -hmm. re respectful is not really the the right word for it. They're it's like almost like constantly professional. Yeah. It's like everything is really deliberate. I can see that. So you, there's no guessing about should I be standing here? What am I doing? Is, is this bowl of peanuts for me or not? You know, yeah, right. everything is, is super nice. And uh, the people were so cool. I love it. Love it. Yeah. It's that good. Is cool. It's fun to live vicariously through someone's past experiences. Yeah. yeah. So it must not have been an easy uh, decision to make to, uh, to come back to Houston. I mean. Sort of. I mean. Or the commercial AV space. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's a, yeah. I guess kind we of like going back. back to it before the, the stardom. I originally met Adam when we were both on the same project of the big Exxon mobile project. Ah, uh, yes, He yes. was a project manager and I was the engineer for it uh, at a company we both worked at at the time. And uh, anyway, that's how we met. And uh -huh. that was, at the time, was the biggest AV project in the country. Yes. So, yeah, so that's, that's kind of like where we met. And during that, that part of it is when Adam kind of got the call and said, hey, I'm going full time in the band. Yeah, so that's what I, I recall yeah. that, you know, ironically, we, you know, as we met and got to talk with each other, we realized that we have a lot of history, coincidentally, that goes way back. Like, he's played with bands that I recorded in the 90s and stuff. Oh, nice. Not at the same, you know, he right, wasn't right. a member when I was involved with those bands or when I did the recordings for them. But, you know, at some point he played with them. So we knew a lot of the same people and whatnot. It's that yeah. it's a small musical world. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. scenario. It is. I know. It and is. You, where you were at different places at different times, but the same places at different times. Right? Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah exactly. So, so that was fun. Yeah. yeah that's it was really, it was really it was actually, that's one of the first times that I'm like, wow. You know, it's like even at, at the time, we didn't really know each other that well. We just, you know, again, being coworkers. But it was like really cool to see, you know, that's very few times that people get to experience somebody like, hey, you're making it, you know. You know, that somebody can actually, you know, and, and it is living a dream where yeah. you can say, hey, I, I'm quitting my date in my nine to five and I'm going on tour with the band. You know, not many people get to actually say that. Yeah. And, 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 and you know, actualize it. Right. Yeah. You know, and that, that is actually something very specific. If you think about it in the music world, every 
person that goes to uh you know community college full cell academy all these you know schools about music production every single person that goes to those type programs mm-hmm. have that dream sure but only a very small percentage of them get to actually live it absolutely it's like being mm-hmm. a high school athlete what, what what percentage chance do you have of going pro exactly you might make it to college exactly yeah Yeah. you know so you know so that's actually pretty cool you know i've been lucky enough to i got i got to the point in my life at one point where it was costing me money to work a nine to five job right and i actually had to i quit so i can run my recording studio at the time you know yeah it's hard because the math you know yeah the math just didn't work it's like it's like well it's actually kind of cool because at that point you can kind of check off it's like you know when i was 15 years old i want i want to make a living in my recording studios sure enough by that time you know so that and i and i i love seeing other people be able to accomplish you know a similar thing but you know one of the things because i had seen i don't know if it, maybe it was a couple months ago uh when the sufferers had their uh had their trailer stolen oh yeah and then like a month later i saw another band also in dallas get their trailer stolen so i would recommend everybody to stay out of dallas no i'm kidding <laughs> i'm not kidding kidding not kidding we had, uh when i was in I, I was i was not in the band when that happened right um but we had our trailer broken into in austin and i lost a really nice base it's wow, just that that's got to be that's just got to be the most upsetting thing ever i'm sorry it, I, it is and a lot of people when, when the comments start flowing in on the facebook people are telling you so many things and so much advice the truth is, it doesn't matter. I know. I mean, that I know I toured in that van for years. I understand. They had GPS tracking on everything. They mm-hmm. had the best locks you can possibly have. Right. Know. Right. I mean, each lock was five, six hundred bucks each. Wow. These were wow. very good locks. They had everything done the correct way. This was stolen with locks on it and the GPS tracking on it from a dealership behind a, a locked gate with cameras and everything where it's designed to have uh-huh. vehicles stored behind it. Right. They'll take it. It doesn't matter. They'll take it. I've seen people, you put the best locks on trailer doors. I've seen people put angle grinders to them and just take the side of the trailer. Oh, off. sure. It doesn't yeah. matter what lock you have. If somebody wants in there, they'll get They'll, they'll get figure it. out a way. Well, it's just like leaving stuff in the, in the box at the job site. Mm-hmm. And then someone stole it. You're like, don't ever leave anything. Don't do in. it. Because the bigger the lock, the more they know there's something valuable yep. in it. Yeah. <laughs> and that makes them want it even more. And where there is a will, there's a way. And they're professional thieves. And they're going to go out of their way to figure it out. So yeah. we, had, we had it stolen one time. It's actually after we did the Houston Symphony gig. Oh, wow. Um, we came back to Houston. We unloaded it in somebody's house mm-hmm. and parked it around the side. And the next day it was gone. Trailer wow. and van. The whole thing was oh, stolen. Wow. Took the whole thing empty. They didn't realize it was empty, though, because we had the good locks on it, so it looked oh, like it had stuff in it. God right. it they empty. took it down somewhere on I-10, some restaurant behind, parked behind it, and basically took the whole door off. Uh-huh. Cut, wow. it, cut the door off, and they got inside and found nothing in it. Right. And just trashed it. Yeah. Like, just to be jerks, of they, course. Just, you know, cut the tires and everything, just to... That's so rude. Just to be assholes. But, I mean, <laughs> look, I, I used to have... Uh, in my previous life in the cabling world, I had a lot of uh, small regional banks mm-hmm. that were my customers. And so they would always talk amongst themselves. It's not always necessarily put on the news about when one of their ATMs would get stolen. Yeah. yeah. So you know, step one, steal somebody's truck. 
preferably like a Ford F-250 or 350, right? It's got lots of pulling power, you know. Mm -hmm. Then go in and, you know, uh, steal a chain from someone and then attach chain to ATM and pull out of wall and put ATM in back of truck. Happens. Go, go find a field. You got a blowtorch. You open it up. And so w in the banking world, they're always like, oh, well, yeah, Bank of America got hit for like 110. <laughs> we only had 20 grand in ours. You know, yeah. like they, they start dogging each other <laughs> over how much, what uh, you know, monetary levels they keep in their ATMs right. and stuff. It's hilarious. It's that, it's that, it's that, and the AV world does it too. We're, we're so um, <laughs> cannibalistic, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we kind of pretend like we haven't all worked at the same companies over the, over the course of a decade. And, you know, you see like one integrator did a bad job on something. It's like, mm. oh, my God, how could they? And it's like, you know, in the back of your mind, there were a million reasons why this, this went this way. Exactly. Right. It, the know? struggle exactly. is real. It doesn't matter where you go. No, it doesn't no. matter. And there's a million. The story is only half complete when you get it. So and I don't know why. I guess it's the same way with the ATMs. We, we trash ourselves so much. I don't, and I don't, I don't know why. Is, Maybe yeah. it's just because we're bidding on commission sales or something yeah, i don't, I think it, I don't I think know it does create a, that competitive environment between companies and you know it's like a piss on chevy piss on ford thing going yeah that's kind of one of those things you know, yeah, you, 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 you got you know the guys company a goes like oh company b always screws up those jobs or right they really suck at doing these type of jobs or they don't have the expertise and then that's how they try to sway people to go with them right. you know it's kind of like <laughs> knock very... down your competitors try to get an edge and there's very few that just flat out suck. Let's be honest, yeah, right? That's true. So, you know, but it, the struggle with me is like, you know, if an end user says, you know, what do you think of them? I'm like, personally, I don't, you know. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, do they do a good job? And I'm like, what well, just depends? It depends who the engineer is and who the project manager is and who the lead right. technician is. And, uh, yeah, exactly. these are all different variables and how much they have going on right now, right? And what resources they have to support what, you know, they're, they're actively right. trying to complete. What and was their budget? What was their wants? Exactly. What was right, exactly. requirement? Right. Yeah, because at some point you get some projects where there's no money. It's been value engineered to death. Right. And, and they're like, Jerry, we can't see an image. And you're like, yeah, you VE'd out the cameras. I mean, I can't help with that. I told y'all. Exactly. <laughs> right? It's like, this room doesn't do video conferencing. It's like, I know. You took, you, out, you the took out the Kodak. Oh, yeah, I don't know, guys. <laughs> Dollar chasing a dime here. Yeah. Um, you got speakers on Amazon. It sounds terrible. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Go okay. figure. Yeah. Um, it That's is... actually my new criteria. Oh, yeah. Anytime, because uh, we do a lot of uh, proposal or RFI, you know, mm. RFPs. Okay. Where, you know, we give contractors contact us to do a proposal for a certain project. And a lot of times... If we do any kind of have any portion where we can control the design even a little bit, some of the stuff that they recommend, I'll start going on Amazon. If I can find it on Amazon, I'm not <laughs> using that product. It's just that simple. It's it's because you get is like as the as the clients get access to more information, they tend to start thinking like they know what they want and why. Yes, and. They start second guessing your expertise and your experience based on how many their review ratings. How many stars on, on Amazon? Amazon. Yeah. Exactly. It's like, well, the, you know, the TV you you told me, you know, that you try to sell me only had four and a half stars, but I want this one that has five. And you're like, do you even realize what the differences are between them? Yeah. It's like the five star one is 350 nits. The one I'm trying to sell you is 500. You're you're going up in a room that has three window walls. <laughs> That's going to perform better. It's like, right. but that doesn't say in the stars. Like, 
Exactly. It's like yeah. that's why that's why Amazon doesn't have a Navy Designs Group. You know, I had that. There was a project, um, the Noble Energy project, mm-hmm. and the AV guys because they were one of our beta clients had mm-hmm. gone with the ClickShare as the standard. So there was right. about a hundred of them, and the IT guys had picked the uh, the Apple devices. Right. And I was like, I don't think that's going to work really well. But they bought both. Mm-hmm. And very quickly, because the Apple devices weren't set up for an enterprise environment, right. it was a little bit of a nightmare. It's like, right. I think every IT guy got like 20 Apple devices was to take it, This was at Noble? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The f- we, we ran the same issue at Exxon. Because yeah. it, they had the original, um, the like, release the one of the ClickShare yeah. yes, and they the did. Apple TVs. Yes, yeah. they did. And we ran, ran into an issue with the number of devices you could have on one subnet. Uh-huh. And yeah. nobody, nobody tried putting a thousand Apple, Apple TVs, TVs on one network. You I know. know. Yeah, because that was a huge project. I mean, well, one, I, mean I know just our portion of it was like six or seven buildings, you know? Yeah. Well, worth of the stuff. Exxon guys are hilarious because uh, they were obsessed with can you support Apple? Can you support Apple? You know, yeah. at the time we couldn't because Apple, t- first of all, you send an email like, hey, we want to work with you. And then you just wait to hear back. And then right. they're like, we're not interested. Bye bye. You know, it's like mm-hmm. that Saturday Night Live skit of people getting off the airplane. Bye bye. You know, right. so mm-hmm. they just shut you down. And then you have to go find someone like an Air Parrot or one of these other companies and they have different licensing model and they right. reverse engineer it and all that other good stuff. So, uh, twofold issue. I found out after going back to the campus after they had been lit up for and occupied for a little bit over a year on one of our follow up visits that uh, the the lead guy who's no longer there anymore has said to me, you know, they had stood up Fusion. Remember, they had crushed on Fusion on the campus, mm-hmm. and they said, uh, "Yeah, you know what we realized after looking at the the numbers and stuff is that yeah, like less than two percent." of all utilization was Apple devices and they were, and they were totally shocked by that. And I was like, Oh, well, at least you, at least you were able to figure that out. You know, I I wasn't so surprised. And then on the ClickShare side, those guys kept hacking our software and changing it. So it would meet their standards because they have that level of talent in house. But the problem is every time Barco would push a firmware update, it would then break their software that they had custom done to the point where, but they were the largest user, right? Like in the world, they had the largest deployment. And so finally everybody got on the same page and we had to go, no, you know, slap your hand, please stop doing this. We'll do it for you. Or Barco right. will do it for you. Right. Um, you're making things worse, you know, mm-hmm. and, and we understood what they were trying to do, but right. uh, it you was know, just hilarious. Long ago, I was an on-site tech for a few Exxon campuses before they made the big move. Mm-hmm. So I would do meeting support and things like that. Fix, yes. Yeah. Fix things and just All right, set up the call and get everything I mean, ready. and you only eat. Truth be told, you work about two and a half hours a day and then sure. wander around and look busy for the other five and a half, you know? Socialize. Mm-hmm. Right. You just you make sure everything's all right. Yep. Conference room's still there. <laughs> <laughs> Displays no. have not been stolen. But all right. We're good. One of the campuses I, I dealt with was all of their um, upstream, uh, upstream research scientists. So it's was that the one in Bel Air? No, that was off Buffalo Speedway. Okay. Buffalo Speedway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, don't think, I think they closed it now. Greenway Plaza. Yeah. That's where the IT architects used to be. Right. And their wireless guy. Right. Yeah, was there. So I supported those, those two buildings, uh-huh. three buildings, whatever it was. And, um, but those were some of the smartest people in the world, yeah. on the planet, were in that building, right? So when you tried to explain like an HDMI cable to them and why their laptop didn't work, 
it didn't just compute and say, okay, well, fix it. No. The next time you came in, they had written software for it. They had written a script on how to fix this thing. Every and, time. And it, or, or they had reverse engineered something to do something. And I was like, you have to not do this because, one, I don't know how to undo what you just did. Exactly. And then second, you, you, you probably just broke in this projector because you removed the software off of it and built your own operating system for it. I can't, right. I, I can't support this anymore. They're that smart, though. I know. And yeah. we, don't, we usually have the exact opposite problem, is that people aren't right. technological enough. And so, you know, that's Actually, why well, they need our help. My thing, I, um, I worked for companies that we kind of, all through the early 2000s and until the teens, 20 teens, though, did the stuff for BP. Uh-huh. And my saying, internal saying, there's like, this is some of the smartest, dumb people in the world. <laughs> right. You know, the criteria for them to operate a room, they, they, they literally, you know, again, some of the smartest people around, uh-huh. and you make a boat tons of money because of their knowledge, couldn't figure out how to operate a video conference room. Yeah. You know, that we, yeah. they, we had to dumb down the user interface. So as much, I mean, to the point where they wanted, well, can we just get it to work without touching anything? Right. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Well, and okay. Maybe. Some would argue no. maybe your user interface wasn't user friendly enough. Does that, you know, I, I know, I know, mm-hmm. I, I, I know what you're saying, right? Mm-hmm. But there's, there's two sides to that equation. Because even being in the industry, mm-hmm. I walked into oh, a, a, confer- a boardroom that was being troubleshot uh, at Cameron when Cameron was still its own company. And I looked at, took one look at this really beautiful AMX touch panel. I was like, oh, I'm not touching that. Like, right. I and I had already been in the industry like three and a half, four years at mm-hmm. this point. And I was like, oh, no. Uh, and no. they had an operator, like, you know, the head, really mean, by the way, um, secretary. Um, she was the operator. And so she was the one that would, like, drive the meetings, you know, and she was, that was her, her baby. But, yeah, I... I it was too intimidating. It was not intuitive at all. Right. It was a very robust and super complex system, right. and the touch panel right. reflected that. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, we're still fighting, because um, I had that situation happen when I started working for Stanford back in the Caribbean. Uh-huh. I show up, you know, top of the line, everything, you know, obviously working for a billionaire, and you get there, and it's like, oh, my God, who programmed this? It's like, yeah, you can do anything, any combination of anything, but... But Why? But it's like, why do you give them that option? Nobody needs, it's like, break it down, you know, simplify it, make it easy. Because that was one of the reasons why the boss at the time, you know, he was like, I hate these things. I hate them. He hated the touch panels because they they were so complex because, you know, and I think this this happened early on in the, just the evolution of commercial AV with touch panels Mm -hmm. is that, you know, engineers with engineering minds they'll yeah. go like well we want to be able to do anything that the system can possibly do we want to be able to give you an option to control that and you're like well yeah it's like do you want to drive a car where you have knobs for like camber and toe and toe right, out right. so you exactly. can do your, your you can do your car wheel alignments as you drive it's like no you don't want to do that no. <laughs> we need some you want to be a voltage to... regulator for your <laughs> exactly, turn signal exactly you know things like that but some of these programmers were making the the touch panels that difficult you know yeah you want to be able to route the audio out of the VCR through the DSP processor and send it back out to the DVD recorder, but not have to show that. You know, just yeah. really complicated. Like, it's like, no, no, no. Just select source, output device, done. That's all you need to do, you know, that kind of thing. And I think that came from the Resi side. Yeah, exactly. Uh, because I think a lot of Resi salespeople were justifying or trying to justify the cost of the 
right. control system. Yeah. When a lot of times, a lot of Resi systems don't require a control a, a, a control system that that robust. Sure. Right. Touch panel. Sometimes it is. It really is just a couple of buttons. Right. And I think they were like, "Well, we can make it do all these things around your house," and it's like, "Should it do all these things around the house? Maybe not." I know. Right. Let me let me justify right. it. Yeah, I just ran into that because. We've just yeah. we're we're in the middle of a, doing a job for a company who's still privately owned by a billionaire guy. Okay, his only exposure to Crestron is through a neighbor uh-huh. who's really into high end resi. Okay, so he's AV got his stuff. million dollar right. Home. Well, so well, his first thing's like, well, I don't, he goes, I don't want that. The guy always has trouble with that. But I don't want a Crestron, oh. even though he doesn't. I don't. Yeah, he's smart enough to know what a control system is, but unfortunately, I don't think he's ever had a good experience because of that. Uh huh. It has nothing to do with it being right. Crestron. It, just, it has nothing yeah, to do with Crestron. Crestron, Crestron, Crestron is like, and I, and I have to explain this, like Crestron, it, your experience with it is 100% based on how it's programmed. It only does what you tell it to do. Mm-hmm. It, it's only going to behave the way somebody programmed it to behave. So if you had a bad experience, it's because the program, whoever programmed it didn't do that great of a job or yeah. didn't read what the client wanted. Or that information wasn't delivered to them, and they didn't right. ask. They just made a bunch of assumptions, right, right so, on what yeah, they exa- thought they would like, and hoped that that's what you liked too. Exactly. So, so I had to kind of like, kind of like deprogram. I'm just like, no, this yeah. is this is the way we do it. We do it for these reasons. We limit you, and you know, to what what things that make sense to do. Not every option that the system is capable of, but what it makes sense to do. We can add technical pages that are beyond if you need to dig in deeper. Yeah. But that's not going to be your main interface. And the other thing, kind of going from a resi to a commercial, is like, you know, at your house, you, your two kids, and your wife are the only people that are going to operate this. Yeah. So you only really have five people going to operate this house ever. In your commercial environment, you're going to have 150 employees that could possibly work in this room. So that's another big difference why you program entire, you program with a different mindset. And, you know, with a, you have, you give simplicity and intuitiveness a higher degree of, of, you know, a higher requirement. I've been in many like little private C-level uh, conference mm-hmm. rooms and so not the boardroom, but this is where the C guys just all meet informally mm-hmm. that they would not touch the control panel. They were so over it, but mm-hmm. they had every remote out on the, on because of that. And because the guy you. can look at a remote with, uh, you know, 60 buttons on it and they, it's there's no fear, zero fear at all. They've got this. Right. Me, I look at it and I'm like, eek, you know, I immediately hand it to my <laughs> husband. I'm like, this, um, please. My, every time my housekeeper mm-hmm. cleans our remote controls, invariably she changes something somewhere, you know, and right. I'm like, is it the Apple TV? Is it the TiVo? Is it the LG? Right. I don't know, you know. And she's always like, oh, I'm so sorry, Miss Michelle. This happened every time. I'm like, I know, <laughs> stop doing it. Like, touching it. <laughs> My husband was home last time she was there. She said, oh, I'm so sorry, Mr. Kevin. This happened every time. And he was like, oh, does it? I go, yeah, that's why you get those texts every two weeks. Right. And me going, how do I get those back? I don't know. No. Oh, my God. So, uh, you know what I think is interesting? Because we talk about this when we talk about control is we talk about where well, you can control the, the, uh, the blinds and the lighting. But what percentage of enterprise, because that's probably fairly standardish, I would assume, on, on the CDS side of the house and residential. But on the commercial side, do y'all, yeah, what percentage of your rooms are you controlling blinds and lighting? I'm just curious. Just actually, your own it is anecdotal. a small percentage. It is, I would say, you know, 
somewhere between Board two room. to one, two to five percent. Yeah, if that much, because yeah. you got to have a certain level of clients that understands the integration to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Hey, do you know? Do they even have controllable blinds? Uh, right. A lot of them don't. Yeah, yeah. Know? This it's, particular, like the one, the one client I'm talking about, they do have light. You know, they're going to have Lutron uh-huh. and you know blinds and shades and all the whole bit. And that was one of the things, like, because you know, again. His experience through his neighbor yeah. about Crestron was not a positive one. So he's like, well, can we get Lutron to control all this stuff? It's like, no, Lutron doesn't make, you know. So <laughs> it was almost like a class of educating him what, what, yeah. what can cannot be done by who. And luckily, I think, I think actually that conversation actually kind of was a good step in winning us this, the business. Oh, yeah. Because mm-hmm. you were able to get his confidence by letting him know. Yeah. that like, Hey, they know they know what they're doing. So. Well, because we're all manufacturer snobs and we all have our preferences. And so these sure. names are all very familiar. Right. And, you know, I mean, I asked somebody, something, something Harmon and somebody, I said, you know who that is, right? And they're like, no. And I'm like, you don't know Harmon? Like, <laughs> really? And in my mind, I'm like, I don't think that was a stretch. And I'm like, JBL? Oh, yeah, I've heard of JBL. I'm like, right. that's one of the many, many brands that underneath their umbrella. And they're right. now actually all owned by Samsung. But yeah, right. like, things that are second nature to us, everybody else is like, what? Yeah. What do you do again, Michelle? Yeah. You know? I've seen a lot of projects recently where the light, they're for some reason willing to keep the lighting and shading separate from the AV controls. Mm-hmm. Even in brand new builds. I know. Where I know that they've talked to all kinds of people. They have controllable lights and shades. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, they would, they're would they willing to have a separate button. Yeah. A separate switch mm-hmm. next to. Uh-huh. On the wall. Right? On the wall next to your control panel. Yeah. And that's fine with them. They're, they're okay with that. For some yeah. reason, I've seen a lot of people not want that control integrated across the lines. And I'm not sure why. Do you think that the lighting people have um, an anti-AV bias? Mm-hmm. I don't I, think so. I think what it is, it's um, since they are two two different systems being uh, installed and managed by two different uh, group contractors. Yeah, you know, right. One does not want to depend on the other. Well, now, what well, they can that, do, that's the, true. The, you know, you can coordinate. Like this particular project, we are going to control the shades and the lights. But guess what? There's still going to be a Lutron button because. Mm-hmm. For you to walk in a room, you shouldn't have to touch a touch panel to turn the lights on. Oh, I, yes. I would agree. You know, so there's still going to be a hard button, you know, a button from Lutron that's going to. Well, you, and let's you think got about the five it. presets, whatever you're going to set up. And if a light goes out, it's not going to be the AV guys replacing right. the ballast. I hope it, not. Oh, no, yeah. it's not. It's going to be the facilities <laughs> well, guys. Well, I did a project where I was changing ballasts. Really? Yes. It was. Really? It was. It was these controllable lights. For a big oil company, uh, and what was the environment that these controllable lights were going into? What was it? The... Was a conference room. Okay. And essentially, what happened is when it was a it was a really complicated, convoluted system. Essentially, what was happening is it based on how it sensed the microphones on the table, the conference table. And there were mm. I don't know a dozen mics or so. It would change where the focus of the lights was in the ceiling. So these interesting. Are, yeah. So that sounds pretty, that sounds complicated. complicated. Yeah. Did it ever work? It worked. You did make it work. Wow. That's impressive. But I'm not, I'm not a lighting guy. I'm I'm really not a lighting guy. Yeah. So people are like, well, you, you, what ballast are you using? And I'm like, I have have no idea. Right. What What do they put in? (laughs) Change. And so we didn't have an electrical sub that was doing all those lights because they were. If I'd gone from dimmable ballast to non-dimmable, or they had non-dimmable ballast, you had to put in dimmable lap ballast or whatever. And they were all controlled over something or other. DMX, probably. Yeah, it must have been. 
but it was a really comp but anyways it gets it gets back into the thing of like there comes a point where i don't feel comfortable doing what a lighting guy should be doing mm -hmm. i agree and then i'm sure the, the the lighting guys are like this is no longer what we do this is kind of there's like there's that gray zone sure and yeah. i think i think lighting control through crestron is kind of that gray zone where mm -hmm. i don't feel comfortable telling your device what to do yeah beyond just giving it a 232 code mm -hmm. and you probably don't feel comfortable giving me your wire and saying the customer will now judge their experience of your product based on what you do with my wire after well, i give it to you yeah. exactly yeah. so you need that chinese that, wall that ma that makes complete sense yeah, yeah. I, I i think so yeah i understand because I even had a, a, a Utelogy customer that was like, the Utelogy's not working. And I'm like, oh, is this where Crestron and Extron and those guys always get blamed to? And it had nothing to do with the Utelogy. Right. And it was like, well, right. no, look, we're remoting in right now. And we see that it is. It is this device not working. It has nothing to do with the operating system. Right, but, exactly. Yeah. And that's a tough conversation to have with the client because yeah. they don't. They don't. They shouldn't have to worry about. Well, which subcontractor right. is the one that's messing this right, up, and right, right. how do I weed through this? They just right. want it to work. Yeah, where's the margins of responsibility? You know, you know. Well, on this side of this wire is the AV guys. On that side of the wire is the lighting guys. Yeah, you know, that kind of thing. And you know? lights, lights are. They operate a bit differently. If the TV doesn't work quite right or it doesn't, it doesn't switch right, that's one level of inconvenience. Mm -hmm. But if mm -hmm. you can't turn the lights on when you walk into a room, that's a right. whole other level of inconvenience. You're right. right. And that's I think like, that's why you get that parallel. And, right. And a, a large part of that is managing the, the client's expectations and yeah. managing their um, kind of sort of prejudices towards technology. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. there, there's a lot of preconceived... You know, it's like, oh, no, you know, like, again, somebody's had bad experience with a certain brand of touch panel. Yeah. The hardware is perfectly fine. Right. And, and the standard, you know, it's just, it's not it wasn't implemented well. Right. It was just it's the implementation wasn't yeah. what it should have been. And, you know, you know, in that sense, it's like, well, it's not the technology or the product. It's how it's being uh, implemented. And right. same thing you know, with the lights, shades, because really shades people are usually different people than the lights. Well, that's true. I know. Yeah, you, you know, so you're, you know, you're, yeah, exactly. So you got like Miko shades coming in, then you got your whatever electrician is doing the lighting and su su you know supplying the the Lutron stuff, and then they're programming the Lutron. We're we're sending two thirty two to them, and that's the way I prefer. It's like, hey, give us your code, your presets, and we'll send you two thirty two. Boom. So that so there is kind of sort of that disconnect. And, and we basically that wire is the barrier that is yeah. the, the the wall well and i guess if i'm a low voltage guy i don't necessarily want to dabble in high voltage mm -hmm. so that's something to consider and also lighting and um shades it's so determined by the interiors architect mm -hmm. people that we never rarely right. i should say not never but rarely, rarely. Uh, have a seat at the the table for those types of discussions. Those are you know right. they've got mm -hmm. it and they don't need our feedback. And whatever exactly. the architect, interiors architect knows is what they're going to go with. And there, are, even if you're working with an architecture firm, sometimes that's a different person. Yes, at the architect. So you can have all these technology mm -hmm. meetings, and they're like, "That's the interior side. That's yeah. not me." And I'm, you never get to I'm, meet them. I'm the tech side. Uh -huh. Right. Yeah. yeah, that's crazy. But it's always changing. So has anything changed in Pro AV? How long were you out? How long were you on the road before you came back? Uh, I was on the road four years. Ooh. Four did it go half. by like that? Yeah, actually it did. I know. It was, it was crazy because it, it, touring never stopped. I mean, yeah, we, we would try to do like a three week on, one week off kind of thing. 
It never happened. No, it, it, it always merged and blended together. I think the longest we were out in one run was almost three months. Oh, my God. Without ever coming home. That was... Oh, that it's was exhausting, right? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, four, four and four, a half years, something like that. Four and a half years. Dang. So, did anything change in four and a half years? Not really. Not really. To be honest, to take a, 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 yeah. a blip from <laughs> when I left to when I came back, not much changed, honestly. I mean, there's some there's ways in which networking has expanded okay so you, you see that yeah uh-huh. and and i think that's really cool uh-huh. but in terms of signal flow and, yeah. and things like this and client mm-hmm. expectations it's the same yeah i mean product numbers have changed but they, they can, you can catch up on that stuff that's yeah, pretty, yeah that's yeah. pretty easy but as far as you know how do i mean i'm on the mm-hmm. operation side so I, right. I see things a little bit different than than some people in the industry um the way general contractors still deal with av is exactly the same yeah the, the, the way we get mm-hmm. looked at on certain sites is mm-hmm. exactly the same yeah and, and the same scheduling challenges that we have from the hard construction side of it it's, it's still all the same you know uh at the end of the day you know a gc doesn't care what your device does they nope. just know that you need to get on their site and put it someplace exactly and how dare you ask for a dust-free environment? What are you, a psychopath? You were ne- we're never going to give you that. Shame on you. I do AV like, um, and it, it happened before I left, of course, and you know, but I. It's becoming more commonplace for us to get in earlier in the construction phase. Yeah, which is nice, mm-hmm. and I'm really liking that a lot. Yeah. Um, but it's requiring on the operation side, a different type of technician and project management team. Mm-hmm. You know, operations teams. Because it used to be that um, it was more like your stereo hi-fi kind of guy that yeah. could, could really get super technical and be a technician like that. And now, for lack of a better term, we're, we're looking more for roughnecks who can rough in stuff on hard job sites and, yeah. and pull wire and large construction mm-hmm. things. And and look at things from a safety point of, this is we're now going into much more dangerous situations. You mm-hmm. know? And these are not finished spaces. These are not air-conditioned lights. Right. Right. We're going into open muddy gross fields and building alongside the other trades yes and uh one thing that's at least on on the field side of it you know i i you know i was i was stuck at the exxon site for over two years i know and that was that was very and there was hard. a lot of mud on that site it was, it that, was very hard that construction was yeah. trim- it was the weirdest challenge too i yeah. mean because y'all were going to need like atvs to get gear yeah. from the container too. <laughs> there were days when it, it it rained a lot, and you know we pulled all those trees out of that that area, and yep. when it rained, there was nowhere for the rain to go because the trees used to soak it up. Now the trees right. are gone. It just became mud. It was just a mm. pit, and it became really that gross was that unintended really consequence of deforestation yeah. in order to yeah right. And but there were times when before some of the roads connecting all the buildings were really built, when it was like I need to get. 40 TVs into that building by tomorrow. And whereas most of us would just say, well, we'll just put it on a cart and roll it over there. It's like, no, you're, de- you're dealing with soft mud and it's 100 yards away. Uh-huh. And so it was like when I'd have to call people, like, I need 12 guys who can lift TVs and just walk them through mud. Oh, really? It happens sometimes. Did y'all put down like boards and stuff for people to walk on? Some, sometimes. Occasionally. I mean, I mean, just it just it was things like that. Where, yeah, or two by like eights, two by tens. Elevators don't work. And, right. and we got to get from these tunnels six floors up and there's only one way to do this and that's uh, just lifting stuff and that's painful yeah and there were a lot of situations over that two and a half years where yeah. that that was just the reality of the way it was and you know i think expanding to that scale of a project av i saw certain um inefficiencies inefficiencies maybe yeah. may, or maybe um 
things that I think the AV industry can grow in terms of a trade. Yeah. In the way that we standardize certain practices and the uh-huh. way that we start off at the same level as like an electrician would or, yeah. or MEP would. Um, our approach. Right. We don't, it's and, on the approach side, right? Right. And, right. and logistically thinking things out before you step in the bear trap. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Um, I think we've always considered ourselves a trade. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. But I think sometimes you'll get with architects or clients or GCs that won't think of us in the same way as they would think of other trades. Oh, I you agree. Know? Right. Oh, I, yeah, I see and that, that. that. That's that's for the good, and there's, that's for the dread, detriment uh-huh. and the good. So that can swing work both sword. ways. Yeah. Because I know, just from my experience, a lot of times when I back when I was doing some project management and stuff, it was okay, guys. The deadline moved a week ahead. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll authorize overtime. You know, just double the man, your man guys. And it's like, no, it doesn't work that way. Yeah, you you can only fit one guy in the rack. One right. rack, one guy. Mm-hmm. No, you you can stack two or three guys. All, the other two, you're just gonna sit there and look at the one guy that's doing I the know. work. Yeah, clients are funny. Um, you know, when not, they start requesting additional hands, and you're like, "That's not." That's not how this works. That's not how it works, and that's not why we're behind. You, you know, mm-hmm. we only see one guy. Well, because we're doing programming. How many, how many programmers do you think we, we got had, sitting around? And just we, on my team, we had thirty some odd guys at our at our biggest. Wow. Well, men and yeah. women, because we had we had some female technicians. Um, at one time. Finding 30 qualified AV technicians in Houston, as big a city as we are, is, is challenging, considering that mm-hmm. there's a, a bunch of other contract, uh, you know, a, oh, AV contractors out there. On, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. So finding 30 available that were qualified was very, very difficult, if not impossible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, yeah, I would say it's the people factor. that, it, And that's why I think as an industry, we're trying really hard to, um, to get the next generation in and yes. right. to make that generation... Um, to be more of them, which helps because there are yeah. more of them naturally. I, I mean, I'm Gen X, so we're just our know. the industry's kind of big drawback on getting new people is that there there is no formal schooling yes. or or a career path yeah. to get into every hundred percent of the people in our industry stumbled in from somewhere else. Yeah, yes, that was from me. residential residential that gets people in because yeah. people that's it. People take it as a hobby. Uh huh. They're like, hmm, hey, wait, I can do this for a living. You know? It used to be car audio when car I was audio? in the industry. Mm-hmm. A lot of people. That's my background. Yeah. You know, my it. first like real, you know, like here's a paycheck kind of job mm-hmm. was putting in car stereos at a high-end stereo shop. Failed musicians. No offense, Adam. No, it's fine. No, yeah. Well, actually, actually, <laughs> yeah. a lot of the, a lot of the people, a lot of people come from the production industry. Yes. Like they're going to get into the production. Yes. Blah, blah, blah. Next, you know, next, you know, they get caught on the call. On, uh, one of the one of the my previous employers, half of the company was a production company, and the other yeah. half was an integrator. So when we had a special project, it's like, well, we need hands, so uh-huh. we would get we get stagehand type people sure. to come in and help out on an install, just because we just need a manpower to move, either move yeah. gear in or whatever. And then those people were like, oh well, I can stick around and do this, you know, I can pull wire, and right? Then, there goes their start into the career, but. It was never intentional to end up. Oh, I want to be in commercial AV. You know? Yeah, yeah. No, I know. When I yeah, when I was growing up, I didn't mm-hmm. even know that was a thing. Oh, right. also uh, on the audio production side and the video post production mm-hmm. side, I yeah. know a lot of people that used to work in post production right. on the video side. People get into video um, making. The broadcast side, broadcast. people still come in from broadcast, but broadcast has changed so dynamically. Oh, yeah. Because there used to be like integrators used to support broadcast, right? Mm-hmm. But then. 
stations don't make the money they used to and so as a result you know the station owner or the gm looks at this right. engineer and is like what am i paying you all this money you need to go install it what do you mean? you're not going to hire anybody you know right. and so they went right. from overseeing you and making sure that it was being done right to now they have to do it themselves unless it's a brand new studio build uh, but right. short of that and and, this, and a very small smaller uh aspect of that so, so did recording studios uh-huh you know yeah. that's where i that's where i cut my teeth back in the early yeah. 90s when i, I was i was a recording studio sales guy nice. that you know that was my forte i was uh, uh support supplied equipment to a lot of the big studios because they needed people that knew yeah. how to neatly and professionally you know do up their patch base you know wire the, ca the cable through the building church volunteers uh, yeah. People that support their church right. and yeah. their church charismatic, yeah. yeah, type services. I just, I just did a project where um, we got two young green guys, uh -huh. like techs, that came out, and one of them was an electrical engineering major. He's a mm -hmm. freshman in college. Nice. It's kind of like, well, that doesn't, I, that's helpful, I guess, yeah. but that's not really what we do. Right. And the mm -hmm. other one just graduated full sale for music production, and it's okay. the same thing. It's like helpful, but not what we need. I, I, need, I need like these twelve TVs hung. By right. tomorrow, yeah. and neither one of them can do it. It's that's why Jerry's on to something. There, there needs to be at least a certificate or something at the junior college level, or right. a, yeah, something more AA. formalized right. that's out of industry, right? Yes. Because right. we all know. Well, I mean, nobody knows what a VIX is. I mean, we know, but right. like, you know, the lay person, the average lay person, actually, even does a lot of installers know. in our industry don't know. Does they don't really? know what Infocom or VIX is? Well, they know I, they know they know the CTS because they see it in some requirements right, right, for right. the jobs that they wish they could qualify for. Uh -huh, right. Uh -huh, right. But a starting cable puller guy, he's got no idea, clue what any of yeah. that is, or why he needs that. Yeah. Or, or a CTSI, why, why, right? Because right. he's an installer. Exactly. Or they don't know. It's like, well, how's that going to benefit me? Well, and, you know, we are trying. We're trying to get more of the the next generation. And there are some uh, K through twelve school districts that do have like full on audio, you know, mm -hmm. AV. Really. Uh -huh. Oh yeah, yeah, they got big, but 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 you're talking about ten ten kids out of a class of thirty five hundred. Right, right, right. Yeah, true. You know, so uh, but at least it's something. You it know? is. And no, they, no, they manage like the digital signage at the school, and they produce stuff. You know, the announcements and all this other. Right. Um, one of those, uh, I don't know which ISD, the one with all the the Clear Creek and Clear Brook and Clear down on the south side, that one. <laughs> Right. Clear Lake area. Maybe Clear Lake ISD or something. I don't, I don't know. Clear, like Creek. That, clear Creek. Clear Creek. Is it clear? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Clear Creek. I actually know my daughter went to <laughs> Nice. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, like they've got a program. Um, I, I was trying and I still try. Um, I think it would be nice if we could just start poaching females that are in the structured cabling industry. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. it's so interesting, you know. The more diversity we get, that's a good thing. And that includes more chicks, right? And yeah. if you have an all-female crew, one of my installers put together an all-female crew on the, the cabling side. Because mm -hmm. it's very hard to get an all-female crew on the AV side, let's be honest. There's right. usually not that many, even if you put them all in one crew. Right. But, yeah. uh, and it's just one of those things, like... They don't, you know, they clean as they go along. There's just all these little things that are inherently uh -oh, you, chick -like. Are you going to play the stereotypes now? Yeah, kind of. No, I'm just telling mm -hmm. you their job sites are clean, so they're not waiting till the very end and then hauling all the trash out or whatever or taking care of it the next day. And then, you know, the principal comes in and says, oh, why is all this trash in this classroom? Or, you know, whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. But there is a certainly a case to be made for um, getting a lot more diversity as well. Yeah. And I just, I don't, I don't know. I mean, they're looking for ideas. I, I think, I think right. what it is, is that is open. 
the the few people that do migrate into our industry they come from a technical side of things mm -hmm. i've seen um i'm gonna say maybe in my entire career as far as the installation part of it maybe a total of about six or seven women mm -hmm. you know which again that's one crew out of my entire you right know, right your almost started your career you know? sure, sure. <laughs> and um the ones that that i've run into have been you know very capable and you know will right up to the best of them you know yeah. right along with them and um i don't know it's just it, i don't see how we the industry can attract or what, what would be attractive for a woman to not pick a different career well okay. because it, it is it is kind of like a mechanic or something where you're going to get your yeah. hands dirty there is some physical yeah you know you, you're going to be lifting. You're going to sure. be lifting stuff on a ladder. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to be wearing a harness. Well, maybe stuff that's not, you know, even as a guy, it's not really tech. attractive. But yeah. maybe if you're a service tech, service right? tech maybe yeah. you don't, you don't necessarily want to do the new construction. Mm -hmm. Like even within the electrical industry, mm -hmm. I remember when um, Pollock Summit merged back in the day here in Houston, mm -hmm. and Pollock used to do all the big you know hardcore new construction right yeah. and so and they thought that the the summit guys were wussies because they usually did like interiors retrofit there's already ac right. piping through the so like and then they also had a, a residential division and so the pecking mm -hmm. order you know was pollock you know hardcore new construction and then you know the other right, right. Uh, commercial guys that were doing the interior and the retrofit right and the interiors right, build right. up and then the, the residential there's always some pecking order somewhere though and i just oh, yeah. always thought that was interesting because i always lumped them all together oh it's not it's not i mean no. i mean to this day i can i can tell you is like and i'm sure you would agree too actually you know if you're in commercial av yeah you look down on resi right yeah, you know, we're snobs. Resi's kind of yeah, we're snobs. You yeah. know, it's I won't a, say it out loud, but you're probably right. Yeah, and, and I mean that's I the reality of it. And it's not. I think everybody does. It's almost like um, would be kind of like you know we're, we're industrial grade, right? You know, commercial AVs industrial Fortified. grade. You know, whereas the resi guys are you know, you know, you can do it in, in a dress. You know, for lack of a better word. <laughs> You can, oh, well, you, can you can do it in you can, tennis shoes. You can do it in tennis shoes, yeah. you know, wearing, a, wearing a suit, and it's still not get dirty, you know? Right, right, right. It's not true. No, no. You know? It's just that the perception and kind of the attitude that, that that's out there, you know? Because you are working in different environments. Well, do you, but, With a lot, you know, you, you don't, if you're doing a, res, a residential home, mm -hmm. there's not a safety guy there on the floor that's going to bust your balls if, if you're not wearing steel toes. Right. But if you're at Intel, you get written up because you don't have two guys holding the ladder. Exactly. And it's a 15-foot like ladder. So, yeah, yeah, so yeah, They're on you. It's kind of like the difference between being your local race, race guy that races on the streets uh -huh. you know, versus a professional NASCAR team where there's a procedure written down, rules, yeah. and blah, 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 and things right. that you have to really stick by, you know. You know, you tell a wrestling guy, hey, that doesn't comply with ADA. They're like, what the hell's ADA? I know. They're like, my, my client's not handicapped, but what they might be someday. They might want some of yeah. that. You know, right. I think, you know, little things like that. It's a, so it is a different world. And, but, but it is true that commercial people kind of sort of, well, I, Resi is where you start up. It's, okay. it's kind of like the nightclub for, for a band going back to the, you know, so, so sorry, we have our guest here, Adam. Resi is kind of like that mid-level club. Uh-huh. You catch people on the way up or on their way down. Yeah. You know? For like, you know, it's like yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. middle you know. of the road. Well, I will say, 
an observation I made a couple years ago, we were repping uh, Liberty, the distributor. Mm -hmm. Liberty, Liberty, nope, <laughs> not that Liberty. Um, and Actually, they, I love Liberty. And, and uh, so we were repping Liberty AV, and it was one of the few clients uh, for the rep firm that we had the residential, the Cedia channel, as well as the pro channel. The, I will say that the, the, a lot of the high end um, on the resi side, those guys were all like AV over IP a lot faster than on the commercial mm -hmm. side. I bet. Because yeah. the pain level, right? Because, yeah. you know, when this very wealthy executive calls you or has somebody else call you and like people are screaming at you because they can't get the game to turn on or whatever's going on because they've paid a million dollars for the system. I mean, the heat is on. And yeah. I had some that I was like, wow. I mean, like there was some of my pro integrators that would have been jealous of their setups. Really nice. And yeah. they would, I mean, and not that everybody doesn't do this usually at some point or another, but like every project they would build the rack in-house they would test it they were literally just wheeling fully mm -hmm. built out racks and just patching them in once they got to the client and yeah. we don't do that as much as we should and and it's yeah. not as is universal and it's not universal on their side these were just but i was surprised that they were so sophisticated and it made me kind of Oh, yeah. I don't know, dial back my snobbery a little like right. well i don't know why i think we're so great we step on it all the time and look these guys really have their act together right that's pretty impressive so you know what it is i think i think the resi world has a a bigger variance between good and bad good and bad yeah yeah yeah. you know you got the trunk slammer resi mm -hmm. and the truly high-end resi yeah and that it, is a drastic world difference. It's a rainbow spectrum, right? right whereas, whereas commercial probably has a smaller margin. Yeah. You know, a smaller difference between the two. You still got the trunk slammers and stuff, but they're not necessarily, they're not going to participate for the same, you know, the million dollar projects. contracts. Right, right, exactly. They, they can't afford the they, bid bond or whatever. That, that kind right? of stuff. So, yeah, 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 so yeah. There's, but as far as Resi, yeah, you're right. I've seen some systems in Resi, you know, um, that are pretty freaking, you know, they'll, they'll compete with They're anything impressive. commercial. Yeah, yeah, right, I if know. If done right. But, uh -huh. you know, again, budgetary and somebody who knows how to do it, how to implement it. Yeah. And in that same world, you end up going with companies that, you know, they're, you know, specifying gear in there that you're like, why, why? You I know, know, this is, you know, this is the, you know, it's just substandard considering the kind of money that's, that's being spent on this particular system mm -hmm. you know the, you know you, you're you know just from your experiences is like that's a fifty thousand dollar project well you should have a certain level of gear yeah you know where some some companies are like oh i'm gonna make it all profit and really they're giving them a, a ten thousand dollar system right for that fifty thousand yeah. whereas a, a yeah. you know a good integrator resi or commercial whatever will give them you know the maximum bang for the buck well i'm just curious um because there, there's a, a much larger proliferation of them at this point than there was four and a half years ago. How much are you uh, digging 98-inch diagonal displays from an uh, operations standpoint uh, and logistics? Well, now that I don't, I don't have to lift them anymore. Yes, so that's a plus. I, mean, I was lifting them in 2006 or 7. Yeah. When like the 100-inch Panasonics were coming out. I know. The, but, the, they, but there weren't as many of those because they were so much more expensive. Yeah. And now they're a lot less expensive, so yeah. we see them a lot more. Right? I, think, I think it's great. Honestly, I think it's great. I, I think from yeah. a facility standpoint uh -huh. and from an integration standpoint, Having a single monitor on the wall is a 
I'm probably catching a little heat for this, but it's probably a better idea in most cases than having a separate projector and screen. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Image so quality it's, it's, is drastically better. Image quality is usually, yeah, usually better, and, and it, unless you have a very specific environment for it. Right. Now, there are, of course, environments that a projector is the best idea to have. Yeah. But as far as a, your typical conference room, I, know. I mean, I used, mm -hmm. we used to see, we probably still see them out there, but video conferencing done on a 100-inch screen. Yeah. You know, remember yeah. that kind of thing where they uh -huh. had, oh, yeah. they'd split it with, with two small yeah. projectors and stuff, and it's like, this is not the way you guys should be doing this in this right. room. And, oh, yeah. Even and, when I was uh, in uh, integration in 2011, we had a Polycom HDX 7000, I think, yeah. with a projector and a screen. Right. It, it that was common. Done. That was a very, yeah. very, very common system. Yeah. And from a, a, you know, trying to be as... as Politically correct as possible. Uh, yeah, but I mean, just, just trying to be... As, as objective as possible uh -huh. that was usually not a very good image no but i or, or a good experience for the, the client to use right well but i'm over i'm old so i'm i'm more of a sd kind of girl i mean right. i don't you know 720 makes me happy all day I'm long i'm the same way i really high def is very much overrated i, I and you think you want uhd i don't know I no, mean, I, I don't know. When you no. see your face splashed up with horrible overhead, you know, Hard fluorescent lighting, lighting yeah. just shining down on you, making you look all shadowy actually, and you know, stuff. It, the biggest technological advancement with that is actually the cameras. Cameras have the gotten cameras so now, the, the lenses, you know, I think, you know, the very inexpensive, you know, small uh -huh. USB type cameras, the, the lensing on it's like, yeah. blow the smoke out of, you know, camera 10 years ago. You know, a five thousand dollar camera ten years ago yeah. has nothing on a two hundred dollar camera today. I do. I like the new Panacast cameras. Have you seen those? I have not. Uh, they're nice. And the Hudley. I haven't seen the Hudley, but I've heard good things about the Hudley. Uh, I've, I've just heard the name. I haven't really yeah. looked into it much. We, we'll and right now, yeah, I mean, there's so much technology coming out right now for the new USB integration. Yeah, because that is where it's going. You know, the hard physical codec. Is no, I know. Dead. D -E -A -D. Well, but yet you Stick still a have a client that we still we're still putting, putting them in. in. We're still so putting them in, but that's fine. It's so it's a little bit of a I'm Mark Twain moment. The reports of the codec's death have been greatly exaggerated. Mm -hmm. They are still alive. It's just we're not seeing it like it was the thing. Well, it, it, and actually, as as the IT directors take over AV uh -huh. and big companies, that's going to proliferate that. I read uh, yesterday that um, Microsoft has end of life uh, Skype for business. They're going to might by mm -hmm. 2020 teams, or 2021. Yeah. It's, it's all going to go over to Teams, which is great. That's that's a good thing, right? Because I had customers. We would put in um, a, an agnostic codec that was mm -hmm. not Cisco or Polycom, um, and it would have you know they'd have to pay for the Skype module. It was with a client, and their corporate was in Japan. 16 hours of troubleshooting later, Japan was using like personal Skype, which is not Link, which is what Skype for Business used to be. So, of course, right. they're you not know, old school personal Skype like, is not going to talk to Skype for Business. It's only 80% of the logo. That's it. I, I know. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, I'm not going to miss those problems when they eventually right, yeah. go away. You yeah. Know? As a matter of fact, our company, I don't know if you've noticed on your computer or not. Just recently got the invitations for us to start joining up on Teams. teams. Yeah. yeah that, that's new to our company here. Recently. Interesting. Yeah, I'd be curious. I, I I did have a lot of enterprise clients that were were going to Teams mm -hmm. um, that I was speaking with, and I for me it was just you know in my position I was trying to figure out if there was a, a value add for what I was doing. You know, yeah. like can I right. add value if this is the, their platform? You know, what right. does that look like? Well, my previous company I worked for with all Teams. 
Oh, right. But they were IT-based, right? That, yeah. That, yeah. I would call them AV dabblers. I mean, not that the people the people they have doing it are mm-hmm. AV professionals, but as an organization. Well, it was still a large, even in AV, they had a large footprint. Did they? They didn't have a big footprint in Houston, but uh, they had a big footprint. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was a, it was, they were about 50-50. So they were in teams. Yeah. yeah everybody communicated teams, but uh-huh. you didn't necessarily have to. We also had other options. You know, sure, you know. sure. Well, I think, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head as these new IT departments take over AV. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll see more of that. Yeah. Yeah. It, it'll, it'll go more soft codec. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Right now, we're, we're doing a proposal for a huge, huge engineering company that uh-huh. provides solutions for all, every energy client. On nice. Earth, uh-huh. there's we're we're working working with them to create their standards for their video conferencing. Oh, nice! None of them's a hardware codec. Everything's a bring your own device. Everything, everything, oh. even the even the big sixteen seater conference room. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow! Not so, even an in room PC. So what are, what are you, you going to propose? Everything operates off the of USB C. Huh? All right. Interesting. So the visiting laptop, again, because all these people are accustomed to, even though they have a home office, yeah, nine out of ten, they're somewhere else. Right. You know, so yeah, this guy might live in Houston. He works off of the, the, the office here in Houston, but sure. he probably, you know, next three weeks, he's going to be in Louisiana. Right. Two weeks after that, he's going to be in, you know, Florida, and then it could be in Korea, mm-hmm. you know, for a month, you know, and they want to standardize everything, which makes complete sense, where... The guy's laptop is one, his codec. Is his codec. Yeah. Because the technology is there. The mm-hmm. soft codec system is there. It's work. Why would you invest with a $15,000 license this, license that, license that? You know, because as much as the IT people are accustomed to dealing with the whole licensing mm-hmm. stuff, it's still, it's kind of stupid to keep to renting features. Yeah. Which is what you're doing. And... If you have an, a system that you utilize already that has those capabilities within your own laptop, which we, we do it every day, every yeah. one of us, whether you FaceTime on your iPhone or Skype for business, face-to-face with a coworker on the same floor, but on the other end of the building. Yeah. People are accustomed to that. Why not leverage that capability, which right now, you know, with the bandwidth being, becoming so affordable, mm-hmm. it, it rivals, you know, full-out codecs from... Seven years ago. I had, somebody had posed the question the other day on Twitter. They were asking, you know, how many, um, how many cameras do you have in your office? I mm-hmm. was like, well, I've got my iPad. That has a camera. I've got my iPhone. I have my laptop. I have a CPU, which I have three different cameras. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, just depending on which one I like or want or have plugged in at that time. But right. almost everybody had at least three. Because oh, yeah. if you got your tablet, your phone, and then laptop. whether it's a USB or a high one or a laptop, yeah. My favorite thing are the little sliders that go over your laptop. Yeah, like this guy? Yeah. Yeah. I love those. I got one from Sure. Um, and you can get them from Amazon for like two bucks. And they'll send you like four of them on a little sticker. It's still a sticker you slide, so you can slide it on and off. So people stop spying on us. Well, because it, it, it you can always see you around the office and you see a bunch of post-it notes over the camera. So does that, <laughs> is, is that real? Yeah. It is? Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, IT department, when you have a company laptop, yeah. your IT department can actually remote access that camera if they right. want without the notifying the LED turning on. Okay. 
And Jerry doesn't like for people to see him in his speedos while he's trying to crank out some engineering designs. Crank something, yeah. So he, <laughs> he wants he wants yeah, privacy. So you have seen the videos. <laughs> I'm friends with your IT department. No, okay. that's right. Uh, now uh, we we, we kind of got away from it, but I think it's it's a cool topic, and it may be a whole other episode for you guys. How do you get women more women in AV? That's well, a good question. You know, I think if you historically look back, even at the IT world, you mm-hmm. know, the original programmers were all chicks. If y'all didn't know that, mm-hmm. you know, my and, my wife's grandmother uh-huh. was one of the original computer techs at NASA. I love it. Wow. Yeah, she I sold computers. That. She taught them everything. And so mm-hmm. she knows. She yeah. knows yeah. the ladies oh, that yeah. they did the movie about. Yes. Uh, yes. She was there. Is, uh, my my so sister cool. is a senior I programmer at, at a staffing company here. One of the major uh-huh. staffing well, companies based in Houston. And so for me, I look at that and I'm like, well, how do we let the boys invade our party? What's going right. on? How did that shift happen? I'm, I would like to figure out. Um, I think it's creating awareness about... because. I, we're thinking more of the technical side of it. I mean, there's mm-hmm. marketing. There's you know, there's other positions. There's you know, sales hookers mm-hmm. like me. Not that anybody wants to be a hooker when they grow up, but sometimes that's just where yeah, that's where you land, folks. But you know, in addition to the sales and the marketing and the right. more administrative type, mm-hmm. some women are very good project managers. So I think it's trying to attract project managers in that have project because if you can project manage X, Y, and Z type of pro- project. Good project manager doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. have to be an AV expert. Right. In the ideal world, yes. But in reality... It's, it is. It can be helpful, but I'll give actually, you... Actually, you know what? That just... And I think you'll back me up once, once you hear me out, is that that depends on the model that the company's following. Oh, yes. that is true. Yes. Because, you know, like in certain companies, the, the breadth of the duties of a project manager uh-huh. vary drastically from company to company. Well, yeah, the, yeah, the scope of what they expect. You know, like, for instance, right now in my company, which Adam works for as well, a project manager is also pretty much a, the project engineer. Yeah. You know, once I design and sell it, it's up to him to kind of fix my fuck-ups, for well, lack of a better word. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, there, I, okay, I'll give you an example. So there's a buddy of mine, y'all know him, I won't name names, though, and he worked at an end user for a long time, mm-hmm. super nice guy. Then he went to work for an integrator, worked there for a while, um, then he left to go do something else, and then the industry called back, and now he's back at a different end user. And mm-hmm. when he worked for the integrator, it used to make his uh, engineers uh, crazy, mm-hmm. because whenever something, you know, wasn't working right and the engineer had to get involved they you know engineer would say yes go do a b and c this is how you solve it but he always wanted to but why it's like it doesn't matter why you don't need to have an understanding of why this needs to change you just need to go change it you know like that's your job you're not the engineer you're just the project manager right i don't have time to explain to you every time a change needs to be made why it has to be made i'm not your teacher i'm not yoda you know (laughs) i'm not feeling zen today right you know go google it on your own time and even further than that you got there's some people that tend to force the pmp project management mentality on on av yeah and it doesn't work it doesn't i have never seen it work once does not work the pmp guy that can run a plumbing job Uh uh-huh not gonna do it. Yeah, ain't gonna happen. There, it's it's such an, and I think we've had this com- part of this conversation almost in every episode Probably. episode that we've done. Is that <laughs> are we AV, a broken record now? <laughs> well, no, it's just AV covers so much. Yeah, it's a hybrid field. It's a hybrid yeah. field, and there's so many sub categories. Sure, and 
every integrator, every commercial AV integrator deals with so many categories within what a project manager does or yeah. knowledge or general AV knowledge that you take, got to take into consideration. Because like we're saying, sometimes you are the, the electrician. Right. Sometimes you're the sheetrock guy. Yeah. Sometimes you're having to deal yeah. with ceiling grid. Mm-hmm. You know, there is no other trade on the job site that deals with so many of the other trades. That touches so many other trades. As AV does. And work. Yeah. Uh, that's a good point. Yeah. And because and, of that, the PMP style of management just doesn't work. Yeah. And I think that's kind of like. So then. So, so back to the, the, the conversation about getting more, getting more women. Oh, yeah, into it. So, educational <laughs> thing. Is it, is it educational? I mean, we definitely have. I think it's exposure. It could be. It, there's definitely a, a lot of women. I mean, not a lot, but there are, are women present in the upper levels of companies. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, owners, C-levels, you know, that level. Yes. Right, management how, level, yeah. how do you get more women involved in, from, from the bottom up? Well, like with the Evixa Women's Council, I invited a lot, all the females that I knew, like mm-hmm. uh, from cabling mm-hmm. or asked people to ask their female, uh, their chicks, that, because I figured that's an easy poach. Because mm-hmm. if they're already in the field doing structured cabling, first of all, yawn fest, no offense to our layer one friends, but it's a snooze fest. It's not very interesting. But... They already have an understanding of how we, you know, they already know right. time and materials, right? Yep. And they know how to pull stuff and they might know how to terminate stuff. They're going to know their four pair color code. A lot of it's going to be that on that cable in the future anyway. Yeah. So there's already a general familiarity. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think that that's an easy poach for us as an industry. Not that I yeah. want Big C to feel threatened, but, you know, I they think should it's, be. It's like a focused, active. Yeah. And I think it's going to come down to the integrator saying, hey, they have to purposefully look out for yeah that well, okay. because I mean honestly we're not you know we're not a big magnet no towards but, but there's know. lots of cool things well I will say uh, so my hairdresser it obviously he went to cosmetology school and his son is also mm-hmm. going to go to cosmetology school that way and he's in high school so it's part of this high school program and it just opened in Sugarland and he was telling me that it. It's got plumbing trade school as well. And I'd seen like a Sunday mm-hmm. morning episode on CBS a couple of years ago about a charter school like this in Pennsylvania. And it sounds like it's exactly what that school was. So, right. you know, you can graduate and you already have your plumbing license. And so, you know, you start your own business and now you can pay for your college as you go. So you don't end up 200 grand in debt because you want that degree or whatever the case may be. And I think it's formalizing some programs maybe uh, i think that's yeah. what it is yeah i mean i don't know that we do enough to uh maybe evangelize about our industry we are bad about talking yeah. about ourselves outside of our industry right amongst ourselves we could we chat about the same that's things all day is. long every day exactly. i know right and uh but you're right outside of it because People come in, you know, uh, Alicia Henley that I work with. Here's she the used to be example. an operator at the Berry Center, right? And now oh, well. she's gone to work for a manufacturer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I need to ask her how she got into the industry. You yeah. know, like. I think that that's, it's the draw. There's nothing, the thing is, there's nothing sexy about the AV industry. Yeah. And there's no communication or exposure. I I think that's right. I, I you probably, know? Yeah, there's there's definitely not a lot of exposure. There's not a lot. Of, you know, a lot of you know, if you think back when we were all twenty, mm-hmm. 
you know, was, was a Navy, a career in Navy even something that you even were even exposed to? I know I wasn't. Not I mean, really. Because no. at the time I was, you know, I was a, uh, uh, I was doing car, professional car stereo and I was mixing sound for my, my buddy's band. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it was a regional touring band. That was it. That was my exposure. I didn't know, I didn't know commercial AV existed. Yeah. You know, and it changed shortly after that. Once I got a job at a company that, you know, I, coincidentally, I was in there buying a PA system and the guy goes like, hey, you know your stuff. You want to come sell for us? And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and uh, that's the thing, right? We, you all, know, f- we all stumble into this. Yeah. I had the recruiter for the integrator call. You know, if you think like, about hey. it, like, how do you make a poster saying, hey, come join our industry. Yeah. This is what we have to offer. This is what this is what's cool about our industry. Because really, if you think about it, right now, if you had a teenager, mm-hmm. like your best friend's nephew or niece or whatever, was doing a report for ninth grade and came up to you, he's like, tell me about your industry and why, why, why we would want to join your industry. It's difficult to explain people what exactly our industry does well, the without one, spending three hours trying no, to explain no. it. Yeah, There's well, no simple one paragraph explanation I, of what we do. The easiest way I can explain it to like my wife's family or my family or people, I just say low voltage wiring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that usually covers enough of what we do. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I, we pull wire, we plug into devices. It's not high current. It's yeah. safer than an electrician in uh-huh. some, you know, most cases. Okay, I got it. And, right. and, and just move, be move done along. With it. And move right, along. right. But but if let's say again, you you're having a conversation with the 15 year old ninth grader or however old yeah. they are, and they're writing a they're writing a, pr- a paper for school. Mm-hmm. You know, so you really want to yeah. convey what you, what we do in the industry, what the industry is about, mm-hmm. not necessarily, but being you know being complete to give a, a clear picture of what we do. It's really hard. Well, but that also goes back to. It being mm-hmm. such a broad industry, right? Yeah. And so, yeah, I, it, it's it like gets some, you know, it's like, Yeah, we're pulling cable, we're pulling network cable, we're installing AV or you know IT switches, mm-hmm. but we're also installing ceiling speakers, right? And we're also installing TVs on the wall. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're also doing control systems that control the lights with programming. With programming, yeah. And we're running cable through conduit from the table and installing microphones on the table. And, you know, well, and, th- and we're putting in big PA systems at a church. Oh, right. Yeah. Well, that's that whole world, <clears throat> it's, right? It's, it's, of it's the all, line all arrays and stuff. That's a whole nother art <laughs> and science. And, right. Well, I, and it helps if you get people that really like math because we have so many formulas that are yeah. really important oh, yeah, for yeah. the ways that thing. And Absolutely. so people that are math minded that way. I love that. When I see, when I see those, like, you know, anybody ever comes up to me and is like, oh, remember when you say you'll never use math? It's like, I use it every day of my life. I know. The first time I saw, uh, I was in training at the integrator back in 2011, and I saw that Pythagorean theorem, and I was mm-hmm. like, I need to oh, get yeah. back to my high school sophomore year mm-hmm. math teacher and tell him that I was wrong, and I was probably a little bit of a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like, I, I was like, I'll never need to know that. I use algebra Sassy. at least once, at, you know, every day, yeah. Craig, a few times a week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? <laughs> Ohm's law comes up a lot. Ohm's law, yeah. yeah. Hashtag math matters. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, I think well, also once we get a little bit further away from proprietary programming, so yes. once we start using, you know, mm-hmm. we have a lot of people that are developing uh, platforms yeah. in various common, what I would say, common languages. Once we get more along that path and less of the proprietary, that'll open up a lot of doors for people to come into our yes. industry. Mm-hmm. And I think that'll be very, very helpful. 
that's a double-edged sword because when that happens, that's going to kill a lot of our industry as well. Yeah, but we have to evolve, right? Evolve no, or die. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, whenever that, that a manufacturer would fuss at, you know, my rep firm and, oh, our sales are flat. And I'm like, okay, I'm not a miracle worker here, folks. You know, right. you haven't innovated and you haven't like acquired anybody that has an innovation to add to your bottom line. So what do you, I'm not, a, I, I'm not David Copperfield. We're not right. magicians. We can right. only work with what we're, we're dealt. And right, exactly. You do have to constantly evolve or die, but it, there's other ways you make it up in other ways so then i think maybe um pushing more of the stem mm -hmm. in, yes in, absolutely in middle school and high school for women that's something that the evicts of women's council is trying to get engaged awesome. with is yeah. the stem to try to that's promote. the root that's the root you yeah know. and and you know it's funny because i think we we're putting together like a composite video everybody's going to ask all the little children in their life so what is AV to you? You know, just That's so awesome. we get here because it's, yeah. somebody has done something similar to that. And we yeah. just thought it was hilarious. And we really want to see what these kids say about what they think the audiovisual is. You know, it's because it's just bound to be funny yeah. and, and adorable. So that yeah. just kind of sparked something in me because there is a lot of young people and a lot of women uh -huh. that are involved in AV, but they don't know that they are. Right, right, right. They don't even go realize to, it. No, go to Twitch. Uh -huh. Go to YouTube. Yeah. There's oh, a yeah. lot of people, you know, from the girls doing the makeup videos. Uh-huh. Guess what? They got cameras. They got microphones, oh, yeah. shotgun got microphones. She's got a lights. ring light. Exactly. Make it look good. And, they're in uh, AV. They just don't know it. Yeah. They think they're you know? in the beauty. Yeah. They think they're going to be a YouTube star or whatever. Right. So or the, so an Instagram influencer. Yeah. Right. And some of them are. Yes. But the reality is like, you know, you already do AV. You just don't know it. Yeah, that's true, right? And so I tying just, it together. It. Yeah, that just snapped on. I was like, hey, wait, you know. Well, I think it would be nice. I'll have to do some research. Uh, we need to talk to kids during, at their schools during career day. Don't we, school, schools still do that, right? I think so. Yeah. I hope I mean, so. I think as an industry, we should make a concerted effort, you know. I agree. If I can find out what schools, and I don't know if they do it during a certain time of year. You know, yeah. when I was in school, they did it. I think the big hurdle is, is, is establishing an owner for who's doing this. Yeah, I know. Which, you know, because this is all volunteer. You know, VIX is a great you know, organization and whatnot, but you still got to have an owner that's going to drive that bus and it's going to make that push. Yeah. To say, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take time out of my life to go do this. Um, and I, that's what we don't have. You know who else of. does a, a, lot, a good job of promoting uh, NSCA? Mm -hmm. NSCA yeah. does a very good job of promoting, and they they care a lot. About, you know, there's the they they also have that same desire to right. educate and get the younger people in and um, and try and and make that draw. Maybe we just get um, yeah we we got to find some. I don't know, failed musicians. <laughs> failed. There's, there's lots of failed Not you. I just happen to be looking at you. No, but, you know, that's cold. To, but, you know, like people that have been like, you know, they were, they, they were doing something on the outside that was really creative. And so the, they're like, you're beloved in this town because yeah, you're yeah. a part of the sufferers. So that's just, that's always going to be, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, beloved because he's Adam. We loved Adam as AV people that knew him, but yeah, most people are, it's because of right. the band, right? But somebody like yourself, if you go speak, the kids are going to know, yeah. you know, and they're going to yeah. get excited. And That's true. That's true. So we got to uh, attach that, that spark, you know, yeah. to it. Um, well, you know what, guys? I, I think this 
It's a good beginning. That it is. We probably need to do a follow-up episode. Yeah. So we can sure. And I'll do, in the meanwhile, I'll do research because I know that NSCA and Avixa both mm-hmm. have initiatives, and so I'll, as as well as our women's council, and so I'll capture all of that information so that I can articulate it and let people know how they can help. Because I think a lot of people do want to help promote. So absolutely, absolutely. It's our chance. Yeah. Well, yeah. It makes makes life better. Well, Adam, thank you so much. Thanks for having before, me. Before we let you go, though, we do yeah. want to know what is your reference song? Reference song? Yeah, like when you're going to go, okay, if you finish were, up with a system. Yeah. If I you were to commission. I, I know we you, do, you don't do commissioning, but just you, well, have, you have in the past. Okay, okay yeah. so, well. Okay, what song plays on the, what's, what, if, if you sit, what thumb drive, <laughs> what song's on that thumb drive that you're going to play when you first finish up a system? Uh, Ideally. Uh, other than uh, Ninja Tuna? We ran into that the other day. We, we were actually checking a system with that. Unfortunately, I've done that one too. Yeah, it happens. I if it, it, okay, let me explain that to you real quick. Um, when you have a Windows laptop uh-huh. uh, and you have the the Microsoft Media Player, yeah, there's like three songs that are that come with every Windows laptop. Ninja Tune is one of them. Oh my god! So if you hilarious. just need a reference, to, just to make sure you got signal going through, just that there's sound, not right? It's good yeah, exactly. That, that that's one of the songs that's available. Oh, so a lot you. of times you get a client laptop or something like that, and they don't have anything loaded on it. Yeah, you mm-hmm. just need to play a song. You can always count Ninja Tuna is loaded on every Windows laptop. Oh my god, since, that's it's, hilarious! It is the cheesiest kind of technically since anyway. 2007, something like that. Yeah, it's quite a bit. Yeah, uh, I think back from XP days. I'm, I'm gonna say uh, it's. Probably Hecho uh, Mi Palante by uh, uh, DJ Sizzla. Mm, okay. It's, an, it's, it's a relatively new reggae Latin song. but Okay. Uh, and what, yeah. do, what do you like about it? What, do, what makes it appealing oh. to you? Well, it's a fun song. It's inoffensive. And uh, so anybody can walk by, you know, uh-huh, yeah. that kind of thing. That's good. But then it, it just has kick and lows. Yeah. You know, I think okay. that's, 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 that's the... That's the test. And it has stereo imaging on it, so you can do all that kind of fun stuff, too. Nice. Okay. Make sure your left and rights are working. Well, we're going to check that out. Yeah. Yeah, Cool. All right. Well, thanks, guys, for joining us for uh, this fun-filled episode. This is also one of our longest episodes we've had so far. And we'd like to thank you again, Adam. Yeah, thanks for having us. uh, We'll talk to you guys next time, and have a good one. Thanks, guys. Bye.